Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon and welcome to America's Heroes Group Roundtable, Financially Speaking with Sean. April is Sexual Assault and Autism Awareness Month. It's Saturday, April 30th, 2022. I am co-founder, Vietnam veteran, and host, Cliff Kelly. The iconic Cliff Kelly, and I'm his co-host, Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith, and our digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. If you need some work done, go to that man, and Jada is in the booth helping us make sure we stay on time and be well well heard. Um, but I uh, have an esteemed panelist here today. Um, you know, we have uh, Sean Claiborne, uh, who is uh, the U.S. Army National Guard veteran and co-host of America's Heroes Group, um, and he actually uh, has a, a distinguished career himself. Um, he is a, uh, actually, for benefit of disclosure uh, to our audience, that Sean also works for Winds Trust Investments, LLC, as an investment advisor representative. Um, do not Please do not construe any information that you hear today as advice. Please consult your own qualified legal, tax, or financial professional. But he has with him someone that's reading his uh, resume, and I'm wondering, you know, he must have spent 90 years in school with all these degrees. Uh, but Dan Rahill is a CPA, a JD, and has a master's degree in both law and accounting. Dan is the managing director of Wintrust Wealth Management based in Chicago. Wintrust Investments, LLC, a subsidiary of Wintrust Wealth Management, manages more than $21 billion, that is with a B, dollars in assets for its clients. Dan is here because he is an expert on how our government shapes our tax, laws, and finance. I'm going to turn it now over to our co-host, uh, Sean Claiborne. And he is going to ask the questions that you've been waiting for. <laughs> I really appreciate that introduction. It's really nice. And then also, being back in the studio again with you guys, I haven't seen you guys in a, in a while, it seems like, you know. So besides being on, on the radio, but, I mean, being back in the studio with you guys is a pleasure and an honor. And we have our distinguished guest, Mr. Dan Rahill of Wintrust Wealth Management. How are you doing, Dan? I'm doing great. Can you hear me okay? Are you great? Sounds loud and clear. Great, great. Well, it's, a, it's an honor to be with you, gentlemen. I am. Um, well, I never served. My dad served in the Navy, and I remember all of his stories from the uh, from 1944 to 1946. It was an exciting time for him to be in the Navy during those years. So, uh, thank you for his service. Uh, I look up to all of you men. I appreciate thank that. You. Yeah. So, yes, we have a couple of cool things to talk about. One thing was interesting about something that happened, uh, sort of an April Fool's joke in Congress to kick the month off, the beginning of April, now on April 30th. But going back to the beginning of the month. This is kind of this is particularly meaningful to veterans because we take this seriously. This particular topic, particularly those who are prohibited from joining the military or otherwise were kicked out of the military for certain, we call we call these offenses. What can you tell us about that? 
Sure, sure. And uh, when it came out, I didn't make the connection that morning that it was April 1st. And as soon as I did, I said, is this an April Fool's joke? And uh, mm-hmm. and no, it, it certainly is not. It's called the Marijuana Opportunity Reinvestment and Expungement Act. And uh, for short, it's called the MORE Act, M-O-R-E, of 2022. And um, it kind of snuck up on me. And I, I uh, as a, as a tax attorney and CPA follow the happenings in Washington pretty closely. Every morning I get up early and and uh, and, and cruise for the wires and, and, and the push information that comes to me on what's happening in Washington the day before. So this, this kind of snuck up on me, too. Um, but the House of Representatives on, a, on April 1st passed on a vote of 220 to 204 margin to legalize marijuana. And what it would do is it would eliminate criminal penalties for anyone who distributes or possesses it. And it would also clear marijuana-related convictions from people's records and formally remove it from the list, the federal list of controlled substances. If Not to get into the history of marijuana legislation, but it really goes back to the 1930s and then really hit the list and, and, and it was included as a Category 1 substance along with uh, cocaine and LSD, which many would argue it shouldn't be in that category during the Richard Nixon administration in 1971. So we go all the way back to the to 50 years now um, as to why marijuana has been illegal. And, it, and, it, and it's been on the fringes going back to the 1930s, but really in a bad way. And, and so that was good news to see that the uh, MORE Act was passed by the House. Now, it has not passed the Senate. However, um, interestingly enough, uh, unlike two years ago, there was a similar bill, bill passed in the House in 2020, and it never went anywhere. And here we are in 2022, right? Uh, but they say, reporting reports say that nine Republican senators now have signed on as co-sponsors of a similar companion bill in the Senate. So in order for a law to pass, um, the House and the Senate have to vote on the exact same wording on a bill. And so the House has passed it. The Senate may pass a different version. And then it goes back to the House. And if they can't agree on that version, it goes to something called joint committee, where they establish a committee. And they come up with, they hammer it out, they negotiate, they come up with the exact language, and they both vote on the same language. And that goes to the president for signature. So... I find it interesting this time that that nine currently Republican um, senators are lining up behind this because, as you know, the Senate is a 50-50 split right now with Kamala Harris, Vice President Harris, uh, casting a deciding vote if if we do come up with a tie. Uh, And uh, and that's through reconciliation, which is a different process than a normal voting process. You need 60 votes. So if, if all Democrats vote for this and nine Republicans do, we're at 59. We're almost there. We're almost, almost at 60 to pass it through the Senate. Um, I don't think a vote like this on a, on a bill like this would qualify for something called reconciliation. It's normally saved for financial bills, financial laws that get passed, where they do um, work it into the annual budget for the year. So something like this, I would presume, would have to be 60 votes, and they're very close. So. That's a little bit about what happened on April Fool's Day, so stay tuned. We've been predicting this. Actually, I thought it would have happened by now. Um, When Illinois uh, 
passed the medical marijuana law back in, I believe it was 2014, and uh, it, and that became legalized in 2014. I thought that by 2022, where we are today, the federal government would have would have legalized it. Uh, they have not yet, but as you can see, they're getting very close. And it seems to be a big push economically. A lot of states have legalized at the state level, particularly even here in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And there's a ton mm-hmm. of revenue, tax revenue, that states mm-hmm. are missing out on with the business that this generates. Sean, you are, you are absolutely right. I have mm-hmm. done tax returns for in a prior life when I was a CPA, practicing CPA for a lot of marijuana firms, uh, a, lot of, a lot of companies, including uh, one of the largest in Chicago. And... I can tell you from personal experience, trying to ca- calculate the Illinois excise tax on marijuana is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Um, they have taxes coming at you from all directions. Wow. And, uh, and, and, and in addition to the income taxes and excise tax, uh, this federal law would impose a federal sales tax and, uh, on the sale of marijuana, hence why I've been following it, too. It, I've been, I personally, in, in my profession, I follow taxes very closely, and it would start at five percent and gradually increase to an eight percent federal sales tax. Now that would be on top of uh, what we're already paying right now in the state of Illinois, um, and there are not many federal taxes. There, we don't have a national federal sales tax in the United States. We're about the only OECD country. The OECD countries, meaning the, the developed countries of the world, does not have a a VAT, a value-added tax, or a VAT. Uh, in Canada, they call it the goods and services tax, or GST. But in, if you go over to the U.K., it's called a VAT. Or anywhere in Europe, it's a VAT. We don't have one in the United States. Um, this would start, uh, you know, just as a observer of what's happening here, might be also the start of, of, a, of, of a different movement here within Congress to perhaps start moving to a national sales tax um, a- AKA, also known as a VAT. Um, so this is really interesting. It's in, in, for a guy like me. Um, I find this interesting on several levels. Several levels. Um, so we'll see where it goes. Um, it, it certainly has as a chance. Yeah, now, if they do get Republican senators to back it, um, there is also legislation, uh, you know, winding its way slowly through Congress with regard to federally chartered banks. Sean, which you work on for one, and so do I, uh, Wintrust Bank. Any federal, um, federally chartered bank is not allowed to do any banking uh, related to a um, Category 1 substance, which marijuana falls into. So uh, if they do pass this law, this has much greater implications um, and, and should open up doors for the marijuana industry Um uh, just anecdotally, I can tell you that I, I know CFOs of of uh, dispensaries um, can only go to state chartered banks. I said, you know, we at Wintrust are a federal chartered chartered bank. There's only two or three of them in the entire state of Illinois wow. that that would that currently serve this group, and uh, and so uh, in order to as part of this law. And, and a parallel law, if they can open up the banking system, it's really going to do a lot for that, uh, for the marijuana um, industry as a whole. And, you know, over 30 states have legalized it. Uh, it's increasing every day. Illinois is both recreational and medical. Uh, Florida is just medical. Um, so there's a lot of states that are just medical. But 
it's it's a progression where or sooner or later the federal government is going to have to vote on this and pass it. So change the topics a little bit. Now, we talked about things that the government can do to try to raise revenue, but there are certain things that, particularly veterans, a lot of veterans have side hustles. And you know me, I love anything that has Roth attached to it. I love Roth IRAs. I love Roth 401Ks. Uh, there are some changes being proposed <coughs> under the under the new legislation or some of the legislation is already on the books, particularly with the Secure Act uh, 2.0. Um, yeah. It can give a big boost to help people save for retirement. That is using Roth money that can be now put into simple IRAs and SEP IRAs. Give mm-hmm. us a little bit of information about that. Not to go into too much sure. detail to make it too complicated, but just something brief about that and how it's important for people to take advantage of those things. Sure, sure, Sean. It's uh, you know you're right. Um, when you, we start getting into SEP IRAs, uh, simple IRAs, and and simplified employee plans, it gets a little bit complicated. So I'll just keep it at a, at a high level. A normal IRA uh, that people are familiar with, you know, they can put six thousand dollars into an IRA per year. Uh, subject to certain income limits. Um, a simple IRA for someone who has a Schedule C, as you mentioned, a side hustle, can actually give fourteen thousand and uh, uh, to an IRA. And, and currently, current law says so that they're not allowed to do to do Roth. And and what is a Roth? A Roth is a great, great, uh, you know, was, was a great uh, law that was passed back in the Bill Clinton administrations in the late 1990s that allows you to, you don't get a deduction up front when you put your money into a Roth IRA, but it grows tax-free over your lifetime, and when you take it out at the end of your lifetime, it all comes out tax-free, completely tax-free. And it's a great thing for people early in life, to, to make those contributions and in a very low tax bracket to pay. So that's fine. Don't, don't take a tax deduction for it like a normal 401k or IRA up front. Let it go if you're in a 10 or 12% tax bracket, even up to a 22% tax bracket. Let it go. Pay the tax on your full salary and put it in a Roth and let it grow tax-free for your life and take it out completely tax-free. A regular IRA, it, it accrues income over your lifetime, yes, tax-free. But when you do take it out, when you do retire, when you do need that money at age 59 and a half, it all comes out ordinary taxable income, mm-hmm. or all ordinary income. And that's the benefit of a Roth. It comes out tax-free later in life, and you don't pay any taxes on it. Secure Act 2.0, you mentioned that, and I'll give a little background on what that is. And why 2.0, right? <laughs> I, I, you know, to me, it's become second nature to say Secure 2.0. But the, the original Secure Act was passed in late 2019. And for those listening that are age 70 and a half or more, or closing in on age 70 and a half, I'm not there yet, but I'm getting close. Uh, You'll remember prior to the year 2000, that's when your mandatory IRA distributions had to start, when you were 70 and a half. The SECURE Act in 2019, effective for 2020, up that age to 20 uh, to 72. So it went from 70 and a half to now today, when you hit 72, you have to start taking out over your life expectancy these distributions. And... Those distributions in a regular IRA are taxable to you when you bring them out. In a Roth IRA, it's all non-taxable, and the Secure Act 2.0 now, two years later, is being proposed with a lot of other changes. 
not just this change uh, with regard to Roths being able to be used for SEP IRAs and simple IRAs, which are used for people with Schedule Cs with, uh, with side hustles, if you will, that, that are independent contractors. The, what's in this bill that passed the House of Representatives on March 29th, so exactly a month ago, uh, by, a, by a vote of, and you don't see this often, 414 to 5. Wow. So it was everybody voted for it in the House of Representatives. Everybody agrees on this one. It's going to increase the, the mandatory uh, age for taking out of an IRA from now 72 up to 75. Wow. Because people are living longer. Mm-hmm. Because people are living longer. So you can leave it. That's a good thing. You can take it out earlier voluntarily. But you don't have to take it out now until 75, which means you can let it keep growing tax-free in there. But also now applies this Roth opportunity, this Roth option for people with with Schedule Cs for those types of IRAs you were just mentioning. And that's that's what's important for for people that have side businesses. You can now do Roths. And uh, just by the way, on an aside, too, and, and Sean, I know you work with this. Um, strategy all the time. If you have a current IRA, mm-hmm. you can convert it to a Roth IRA. Right, my favorite thing to do. Yeah, at any you know, at any age, you can move it over. If you have a particular year where you're in a really low tax bracket, and this happened to two of my sons. What? What? How did that happen? They they left their jobs. They had four hundred one k plans. They took the distributes out. They put an IRA, and they went back to grad school. They went to school. What happens when they go to school? They have no income. Mm-hmm. Great time to do a Roth conversion yeah. because you're taking that income in, a, in an IRA. You're, you're bringing it into your tax return, but but you're in such a low tax bracket, you pay no tax. Yeah. And now it's in a Roth, and it's tax-free for the rest of your life. Yeah. So I work with people to try and stage those, usually over a number of years, so you don't get into a too high a tax bracket and you minimize the amount of your taxes on a Roth conversion. It's a great strategy. Mm-hmm. One thing I noticed on uh, this year's taxes uh, for 2021, there was a question on there, um, about five minutes left to go into this topic, so we won't go too deep into this topic. <laughs> but it had to do with cryptocurrency, but they called it virtual currency, which to me yeah. was significant because I think of virtual currency that has more than one definition. And it also leads me to other concerns is how savvy is our Congress about passing tax laws on technology, especially things, something like cryptocurrency? Well, yeah, it, 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 you know, by way of background right now, the reason that question is on the top of your tax return right under uh, your name and address. So if you look at your form 1040 and you look at page one at the top, you'll see the following question on your 21 return. At any time during 2021, did you receive, sell, exchange, or otherwise dispose of any financial interest in any virtual currency? What they're getting that at there is if you have an account with a Coinbase or a Binance or or something that does uh, cryptocurrency or anything like cryptocurrency. And as, as you know, Sean, there are hundreds, even thousands now of different mm-hmm. cryptocurrencies. It's not just Bitcoin anymore right. that, that we grow up thinking that was uh, 10 years ago. That was the only crypto. No, there's there's hundreds. There's thousands of them now. So any of those, anytime you walk into a, a coffee shop and you have a card, a debit card that's 
from one of these uh, crypto exchanges and you buy a cup of coffee for $3, that's a taxable transaction that has to go on your tax return. Hmm. What? Right. You say, uh, <laughs> how can that be taxable? It's a currency. No, cryptocurrency is not currency. The word currency in it is very misleading. It's it's an asset. It's, it, 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 it's something you own. It's like a stock, okay? Mm-hmm. And when you sell $3 worth of it, there's a basis to it, and technically it has to go on a tax return. Now, here's something that I just want to make everybody aware of, and the law could change before 2023, but be aware of this one. In November, President Biden signed the Infrastructure Act law. And that was $1.1 billion, trillion dollars, $1.1 trillion to build up our infrastructure, our roads in America, and, 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 and our hard you know, infrastructure, not so much social infrastructure. That was in a different bill. But, in, you know, uh, for, uh, and, and, and there was solar and green energy provisions in there as well. So $1.1 trillion. But buried in that bill is a cryptocurrency provision. It says starting in 2023, if you sell cryptocurrency on one of these exchanges, they are required by law to report it to the IRS. You'll get it form 1099B at the end of the year, at the end of 2023, and it's going to list all those transactions where you sold crypto Hmm. or anything else, an NFT, which was called a non-functional term. Uh, token, right? Mm-hmm, right? And don't ask me to explain what that is because I can't. <laughs> yeah. I know they do it for artwork, and I can't ex- explain <laughs> yeah. what an NFT uh, is and why people pay, <laughs> pay, pay, pay millions of dollars right. for, for an NFT that I, I is digital. But it, all those transactions are going to be reportable. Now, fear not, on February 3rd of 2022, a de minimis bill was entered into Congress. And they're starting to wake up to the fact that that that, that Congress is looking at this going, did we really pass that? Mm. Oh, my God, that's unworkable. That right. is unworkable. We've got people out there. we get a dictionary in the mail for 1099s. we get like a thousand-page 1099 in the mail with all the transactions I did for the year. Every M&M or bag of peanuts that I bought for the year is going to be taxable now. Right, right. Exactly. So uh, that's crazy. they say, oh, we're going to have a de minimis rule. It's only going to be $200. Wow. So that. That Tesla you go out and buy from Elon Musk with with Bitcoin, <laughs> he takes he, he still takes Bitcoin for Tesla, doesn't he? I don't know if he does or not. <laughs> uh, for a while he was, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, that's still going to be reportable. So two hundred dollars, if they pass this law, I think it should be a lot more than two hundred dollars because this is really going to be unmanageable. Um, you know, for people Sean, to, to come up with their basis. But Sean and uh, and Dan, I was, I was going to ask a question: How do they? Uh, get a tax base i'm trying to figure about the valuation right exactly because the valuation mm-hmm. of bitcoin could be different i mean depending on which cu- cryptocurrency you have <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's any type of you know what uh ethereum bitcoin whatever the cryptocurrency is who you bought it from if you bought it on one of one of the apps and there's many apps right now on your on phones that you can buy crypto on um, they're going to know what you paid for that particular crypto. And that software is required, just like if you go to Sean and buy a stock, we know what you paid for it. It's in the computer. And then when you sell that stock or a fractional share, and that's what we're talking about here, right, fractions, just fractions of, of cryptocurrency, 
that the computer will then allocate, okay, you sold it for $3 and bought a sandwich. I guess the sandwich is more than $3. $8 for a sandwich, and your basis in that $8 is $6, and you have a $2 capital gain, and it's either long-term or short-term, and they're going to tell you on that 1099B what it is. I can imagine the headaches the poor software programmers are going to have to, to, to properly program the software so it starts reporting this way in 2023. By the way, that's only about eight months from now. Mm-hmm. I agree with you, Dan. Dan, I really appreciate your time. You've taught us a lot yeah. of stuff. Oh, yes. Yeah. A lot of things to think about. You know, you're always a pleasure to have on the, on the show and a pleasure to see in the hallways of the Wind Trust, the 231 South LaSalle. So I appreciate you coming on our show. Got to have you okay. back. Okay. And, and- and come on down to, to, to two thirty with South LaSalle, and I'll, I'll buy you a cup of coffee with Bitcoin, and <laughs> okay. enjoy it. Appreciate that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that Secure Act 2.0. <laughs> I'm getting up there in years. <laughs> Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.